Shut up. The footy's on Triple M. Now on Triple M footy. Too strong, too good. This is the midweek rub. This could be the game of the year. How do you like those apples? Triple M rocks footy. Ah, yes. Good afternoon. It is the final edition of Triple M's midweek rub for the year. Grand final week. The best week. Of the year, we will get into the game later on. It's going to be an unbelievable grand final. The two best teams, I don't think we can argue, will be playing off and it sets up for a cracker. But as I look around the room, as I do every Wednesday morning, as we speak just before midday, I look and I've got Ross Lyon, again, this final specialist. You're like Clark Keating for the midweek rub. You just step up in the finals time. Great to have you back. Thanks, Joey. Great to be here. Daisy, as always, been a good year. It's been another great year for the midweek rub. Uh, some new additions late as well. Look, just off the sub bench and dominating too. Hard to do. Hard to just slot into a group and come in and have such an impact. I was too scared to get on my Twitter account. I was just being posted everywhere on the <laughs> Triple M cuts. We get a lot of coverage, but we are a de- we are a man down. We are a man down because, of course, it is a big day in the AFL world. But Damien Barrett, unfortunately, can't join us because, as we said, we always record this on a Wednesday just before midday. And we thought Damo might have been back from the press conference that Gil McLaughlin is about to do. But because it got pushed back, it was delayed. Uh, Damo can't join us. So we will get into the uh, Hawthorne situation and the report that was uh, released from the ABC this morning in the next break. But uh, before we do that, we're going to touch on the preliminary finals and the Brownlocks. It's been a big weekend since we last met. Ross, you and I were up in Sydney for that preliminary final. How good was it? I wasn't there. It looked unbelievable. The Magpie Army was up there in force. Was it that good life? Yeah. Well, not only looked felt, yep. you know, and unlike Joey, I paid my own way up and I took my daughter up because I just didn't want to miss a great game. The Pies, I'd had some great experiences with them this year and a connection to the Swans, I thought, Get up there and another point prelim win by the yeah. Swannies. If you go back to Essendon 96, so look, it was a great atmosphere, wasn't it? Sea red and the Collingwood chance started, you know. And <laughs> it was just, honestly, the hair on the back of the neck. It was right off the bat. So the byplay when the Sydney Swans were running out, we thought, how good is this raw going to be? And the Collingwood supporters started the Collingwood chant as Sydney they ran out. And they drowned out the noise. So that was just a great little start. They had all the Collingwood supporters in their own bays. So right below me, there was a big bay of Collingwood supporters. The next bay was Sydney supporters. And every time there was a goal kick, they would turn to one another. They'd give each other <laughs> yes. the fingers and lift their scarves and get right into each other. It was a, a great atmosphere. And then the game, it lived up to the hype. Oh, it? surpassed it. Yeah, and the SCG, you're close to the action. Had Buddy getting crashed and then causing the ground ball. And then that, that young Sydney team, their leg speed. But you could feel... Collingwood, I thought, got the Maynard matchup. It just threw all their roll-off defence out. But uh, as they balanced up after half time and they were coming, it was like, oh, my God. we have become this self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. I, and the Collingwood plays, you could see um, Hoskin Alley kicked that goal. And he's not someone that's normally animated, but it was, come on, we're going, you know. And they, they just – then they started rolling the dice and Sydney oh. tightened up. It was like – I, was, I wish I had a camera and or the goggles so I could get the horse on the bench. <laughs> he would have been it blaming Decox. I was like, mate, get, get back up in the box. Yeah. The pies, though, how good are they? Like, honestly, they take you to the death every week. And that's the one thing we said. We take them on trust throughout the last few weeks of the season and then into the finals. They have to be proud of what they've done regardless. We speak of some of the teams that didn't quite live up to the hype. They have not only lived up, but surpassed everything we thought we'd get from them this season. The Magpie Army was on board. Craig McRae, what a just bloody lovely bloke, likable, and what he's done for the footy club. But not only the footy club, AFL fans. People Mm. who 
don't barrack for Collingwood. We're barracking for Collingwood. That doesn't happen. Yeah. That does not happen. And he brought everyone along for the ride. It was awesome. And Ginevan, you know, he's he's had a real effect on people. Guinea, as they call him. And it's been he's a lot a of personalities. Kid. And uh, look, the, their results, they, they, I think they lost the final by a point, you know, under Buckley. And they got to a grand final. So the results aren't too different. And I think they've got some challenges going forward because really Pendlebury and Sidebottom were still keys. And I, I, But I think they'll continue to build and... By the end of the day, they, they got nothing, and no one, no one remember that they lost the prelim by a point. No one cares. Craig McRae last night uh, voted the coach of the year, so that was a great recognition for him, and uh, that, that was awesome. I thought Damo told me that the coach of the year, in the remember when I was starting That's... that campaign, I was starting that Craig McRae had to be the coach of the year, and then Damo called me out and said, no, you're a deal. The coach of the year just goes exclusively to the guy that wins the premiership. That's what I thought No, as well. no, because I've been coach of the year and I haven't got right. a cup. Yeah, so, okay. right, so it's, I'll get a written, before that's right. the grand final. I'll get a written apology from Damo. That's from fine. 17th to, you know, fourth or yeah. third or whatever. It was great, but it was the way they did it, the comebacks. Of, but in the end, the numbers get you, so... They lost, lost the finals by less than a kick yeah. or whatever it was. Which so. it, it sort of feels like when you win nine in a row by less than a kick, eventually the odds, you know, eventually it's <laughs> seven by under but a I, goal I, in the home yeah. and away and lost two. I do just hope that we know it's a copycat league that other coaches now see what Collingwood did, particularly when they they were behind, the courage to just kick the ball through the corridor, take risk, and whether other clubs will implement that same sort of strategy as a tactic when they're trailing well, in fourth quarters, and it might actually make the game even better yeah. next year. Off but the Geelong are playing like that. I watched their first quarter and the second quarter. No, they're just going up the middle and playing on, and they're, they're going from one of the slowest teams to, to the quickest teams. Mm. And we'll get to it. Sydney is still a low percentage play-on team, about 16%. So, But the rules, again, I'll go back to it. And, and I remember there were media commentators banging on about how bad the stand the rule is. It is... And then I hear other media commentators banging on about, oh, you know, the mentality, why didn't they change it? Mate, you couldn't move the ball like they're yeah, moving it. Yeah. They, they just don't get it. It blows, blows, blows me away, the ignorance. And then, But coaches are, are, were a little bit slow to adapt to it, and I, I think they've, they'll, they'll be more follow the lead. Yeah, certainly has been a great year of footy, and it will only get better with the best game still to come. Hey, we'll take our first break. There's no Damo's news, but we'll still break some news, and Daisy... You're at the Brownlow Medal. I want to Ooh, get yes. your thoughts about your mate Paddy Cripps winning the Brownlow Medal on Sunday night. Plenty more to come. This is Triple M Footy's Midweek Rub. This is the Midweek Rub. Don't worry about me running out of material either. <laughs> Triple M Rocks Footy. This is Triple M Footy's Midweek Rub. It's time for Damo's news. Unfortunately, Damo is not here. He is at the Gil McLaughlin press conference and that was the big news of the day. Let's get straight to it, Ross. Daisy, we woke up this morning to an ABC report about harrowing accounts from some players at the Hawks, some, some Indigenous players and their families, of the way that they were treated, specifically in regards to, to some family matters and, uh, and un, unborn children and, and these sorts of things. What was your first thought when you read the article this morning? Because we were on the, the hot breakfast, and it, it was it was almost unfathomable, some of the quotes that have been attributed to the Hawthorne Football Club? It was a hard read, there's no doubt, and we need, do need to state that we are going to air about 11.50 right now. So there is a lot to play out in this space throughout, not only this afternoon, but ongoing as well. But you sit there, and like a lot of people, I you know get on the phone, read the Herald Sun online, and just some of the quotes and some of the allegations, some of the stories that come out of it, it is hard to believe that that has gone on and happened. And then the just... The, your mind goes to how you feel for the people who are involved. Obviously, the players at the centre of this, it's 
shocking it is. There's no other real words to talk about, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it was a really hard read. Yeah, yeah, very challenging read. Um, I heard the headlines. I wasn't sure what it was about. Dived in and had a read and, and took my time to, you know, sometimes you flip through. I thought, well, oh, it really caught me and, and went through. So, look, there's a lot to play out here. There, there's certainly been uh, a report, investigation put together um, that the parties will need to respond. I think that that will occur throughout the day and then it needs to be investigated. And, um, but there's... You feel for everyone involved in this because it doesn't feel like there's any winners, and um, it's just got to be uh, got to the bottom of really. Yeah, it certainly was a couple of hours ago. Uh, former Hawthorne captain Luke Hodge spoke on SEN. Let's just hear some of his comments. Oh, it was it was a tough read. There's there's no doubt. I think anyone who who goes through that, yeah, it's it's a, it's uncomfortable to to go through and read. Uh, and your, your first thought go to the players that went through it, the partners and the families that they went through because it doesn't matter what your job is, um, it's always family first and that's the the first people that you look after. You sit back and, and does it dampen the... Well, what we went through as a group, um, we had a lot of successful years but at this stage that's irrelevant because of what young blokes were told or what they were put through. So we're still waiting to hear, as we said, the, the, as we are doing this, the uh, press conference is about to begin. But there has been some conversations, we believe, Ross, that potentially those accused may stand down from their roles until an investigation is, is forthcoming, which you still expect to happen. There, w- there will be some sort of you know, further investigation into into the comments. But this is probably as big a story as we've seen for a long, long time in football. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, long, long time. And I, I think there, there will have been side conversations because this broke today, but it feels like the AFL have had it for a while. Like how long, I don't know, and trying to step their way through um, and how they're going to handle it and how it's going to progress. So um, stood down or stand down, uh, I think why this would be unfolding, it would be really hard to function in a role, even if you wanted to, and it's probably, is it appropriate? They're, they're all the questions that are going to be asked and answered and will unfold. So it's a real watch this space, isn't it? And now I don't think there's a bigger story in the AFL. No, there isn't. And it's on the eve of the grand final. As we've said, there's still plenty to, to um, come out today. So there's no point us still speculating or guessing on where that might lead to. So we might move on from there because a couple of other bits of news we did touch on. I want to ask you about the Brownlow Mail. You did a beautiful job on the red carpet, Daisy. You. Gee, you scrubbed up okay. Emma made you look good, but that's all right. But the afterwards, Brownlow, Paddy Cripps, uh, former teammate of yours, a mate of yours, deserved winner. But fair to say, slight bit of controversy because he was suspended for two weeks and then it was upheld at the tribunal and then got off on a technicality. It brings back memories of Corey McKernan and Chris Grant and some other players that were denied the Brownlow, but he wins it. Fair enough. He had a terrific season, but you were there. How did it unfold? It was an awesome night. Um, obviously, as you said, I was uh, certainly making M. Friedman look good on the red carpet. What a star she is. <laughs> but we got into it. And look, I thought Cripper was going to start off really, really strong. We know how good he was. But I thought he had a real flat spot for about five or six weeks. But in that time when he started getting two votes, and I think he pinched a three in there as well, he kept polling in the rounds where I sort of had him maybe being the fourth or fifth best pl- best player on those games. And the leaders weren't good enough to just keep running away and extending their lead. We speak of Lockie Neal, Tuke Miller, who came home late as well. 
I remember Dane Swan and Chris Judd having a conversation about the Brownlow's your winner when you get the votes in the rounds, you don't expect it. And that was when Cripple was doing that, I was like, geez, he's going to be in this up to his eyeballs. We all knew what happened in the last couple of weeks, how good he was after he got cleared of that suspension. And then for it to come down to the last game of the season for three votes on the line. And he was the best player. Don't worry about losing that game. He was the best player on the ground in that one by an absolute mile. Deserve it winner, ripping bloke. His speech was unbelievable. The love, the way, the honesty. He's just a country kid from Northampton. Shows, you know, how much it means to him, but he's the community back there and also his family and friends. Um, nothing's been lost on him, although he is a bona fide superstar. Yeah, very popular winner. And it feels like Rossi won that probably for reward of six years of carrying the load at that footy club. In some ways, it's almost not just for this season, for what he's done over a five, six year block that he deserved the Brownlow medal. Under, yeah, uh, around and his he neck. touched on that. He was a little bit embarrassed. Because he wants team success. He said, yeah, I dreamt of this as a kid. I watched it and I love it. And, you know, at least we had a winning season, but I really want to play finals. So so it was great to hear. And I think a real story out of it for me is Jeremy Cameron, how good he is. He had 19 votes as a key position. Like, he's pretty special. But, you know, Crip. So I thought Lockie Neal would get it because he had – that great form in the finals, and then, but he did have that quiet pit patch where he got sat on. It just cost him a little bit. So it would have been great to see Lockie as a dual Brownlow medalist yeah. also. But what what a winner and great, great role model for the Carlton Footy Club. Now let's take a break because we want to get into the grand final. That's what we're here for. That's our expertise. We're going to dissect the grand final. I'll do a little Daisy Ross dive first. Oh, some specific yes. questions, just some tactical You're stuff. Ready, Ross? Before we get into the grand final, that's all tactic. to come up next. <laughs> Triple M Footy Midweek Rub. This is the Midweek Rock. You watch me today. This will be one of my best performances. Triple M Rocks Footy. Welcome back to Triple M Footy's Midweek Rub. It's now time for the Daisy Ross Lion Quick Five, and we're going to get into some specific questions about the grand final. You both two astute footy men with your knowledge. I want to ask first question. Enough of the flattery, Joe. No, keep it going, Joey. Let's get straight into it. So Tom Tom Stewart looms, obviously, as a crucial component Mm. of the Cats. If you're the Sydney Swans... Do you just send Ryan Clark to Tom Stewart and say, you just follow him everywhere because he's going to do his own thing anyway and limit his influence? Or do you back your system in and try and nullify Tom Stewart as best you can? Wow. Is it, uh, I think the, but Duncan's the other one on the halfback flank. Yes, he is. So, um, and Stewart's intercept possessions, a lot of them are off the ground. So yeah, whatever happens, he can't be free. If you go back to the Richmond grand final when they were down, Stewart was free. After half time, they stopped sending Dusty up, took care of him. You, you, you can't let him play his game or if, you lose. So if you're watching the game from the ground, you see Tom Stewart free. You'll be I'm pulling, yelling you'll be and screaming. That, that thin hair, you'll be pulling it out. Yeah. That's a, people, that's a clip, by the way. He called that <laughs> thin hair. B, BJ Goddard reckons I've had some work done on <laughs> yeah, it. Hey, I said, mate, um, you're kidding. No mosh here. What would, what would you do, Daisy, with Tom Stewart? I would... <sighs> It's a it's a bloody good question. What you got to I reckon you got to have either someone who demands the footy on him. So try and get a match up with a Heaney, and you can go through him. So if he doesn't, then go with you and defend his players having some real impact. And Heaney is someone who demands the footy. He goes to good spots. He doesn't too often go to a dumb spot where a Stewart can drag off. Or that being the case. Then maybe, probably not Buddy, because he certainly attracts the footy, but go to your other tool down there, the um, Logan, Logan McDonald, yeah. and go to him and say, and Levi Casbolt did this a few times with Stephen May and whatnot, mate, go and sit behind him, play him like a defender, and he will take you to the ball. And then when it's in the air, use your body Compete. work, take a clunk. Because we saw the Sydney Swans basically make the Collingwood interceptors null and void last week. How 
struggled really in the first half. Darcy Moore had no influence until the second half. Yeah. He was brilliant in the first half. So and, because of the way Sydney moved the ball, they're a bit more short kicking. They change the angle of the line. They don't just bomb it straight line. So maybe they can get around the Tom Stewart influence without necessarily having to tag him. Yeah, Weather dependent yeah. to that play, though, of yeah, course. You, yeah. There could be a fair bit of, we expect a little bit of rain. Well, so that's that hack kicking it, you need to then have someone who is disciplined in the role just to compete. That but be but that becomes question. their game style, doesn't it? It's going to be challenged by, is it challenged by the heavy rain? So... Geelong are an up-tempo play on possession high handball. They take the same amount of uncontested marks and marks on lead, but Sydney is 16% play on. I I looked at the finals, just broke down the stats in the finals period. So they did it against Melbourne, didn't they? Took out the intercept of May. and so Gone down the line. They they build it up slow, but then they create an opportunity of an overlap in between and over. So I, I think they do two things. Their system of ball use will help counter Geelong's roll-off and intercept game. But I think they also can assign one Clark. But I think Dacos wasn't a – he was a counter-puncher, wasn't it, and a ball-movement guy. Whereas Stewart – so he's Clark can he suited do it? to – whereas mm. I, I see Duncan as the Dacos role. Right. Duncan's the set-up king, run, distribute, he's 70% off the back flank. So I think in my head, maybe Clark goes to Duncan and to Daisy's point, a Heaney – Hayward and a Logan maybe make um, on the back of their ball use make Stewart defend. If you, if you had to stop one of the two, I'd be going to Stewart. You? Well, you make a good case for Duncan. I think you do both though. I think yeah. if you don't, doesn't you know, disrupt right, your okay, too stop much. Stewart and and Duncan. Yeah, yeah, it gets off the hook. Because what's different from them? Their counter punch off half back. They're really going. So next question: Does the weather, if it is wet, does that suit now Geelong, who have learnt to play a bit more of a chaos, kick the contest, win in front of the ball, as opposed to the Swans, who are a bit more control the ball? Does the wet weather help Geelong? Instinctively, it helps Geelong because they and they contest the ball throughout the finals. Geelong are like a plus twelve, and and the Swans are minus six. So that's a bit of an edge if you think the big bot Atkins. Look, I'm not saying they're, – they've been strong in the back half of the year, Sydney, but in the finals, they've been a little bit down. Yeah, I probably think it suits Sydney. Sydney, not so much, although you've got the McCartan brothers down there who do play good intercept. They're more playing to someone, whereas Geelong's so reliant on winning it back on that turnover. If it's a sloppy, wet day, you can sort of close that up with numbers. Your plus one doesn't become as important as it does on a dry day when, you you know, 6v7 becomes a bigger margin than if it's really well, wet I don't think scrappy. they're just a the counter – punch from the back half team. That's not what they are. But you it, know, they dominated clearances. So they lost the clearances last week in counterpunch, but Brisbane are a great clearance team. Sydney haven't built their Sydney Swans under the old Kennedy Parker model, a bit more Dow used to be a clearance, but now they're an outside counterpunch team themselves. So um Dangerfield had eight clearances last week. Danger they took care of Lockie Nell. I, I think hmm. they they're strong enough in and the numbers tell you they contest the ball and, and punch from centre forward is strong also. Dry day, though. Tomahawk and yeah. Jeremy Cameron, I would say, would have more impact than the forwards up the other end. You know Buddy Franklin likes it drier, but yeah, the, Sid- the, the rain Sydney brings de- it. The Sydney uh, defenders would like the rain, wouldn't yeah. they? You'd think the Sydney defenders would sleep better at night if there was a bit of rain. You spoke about Patrick Dangerfield. He looked ominous. He was back to his absolute best in that preliminary final. We know Sydney have got Callum Mills, who has done the role, but Luke Parker, I thought, did a super job going to Jordan Dugowie, nullifying him, but also winning the footy. Do you send someone, not a tag, but the way that Sydney played to Paddy Dangerfield, would you use Mills or Parker? Well, Mills has done the job previously. Yep. But uh, on the back of what Parker did, I thought 
Um, and I ran into Andrew Island, the godfather of the Swans up there. Parker's game against Brisbane. When they had the big bulls like Petraka and Oliver, how he... Sydney's game v. Melbourne. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah, against uh, Melbourne. Yep. He threw his weight around. Yep. Why the, the lighter mids, he, he just covered for him a bit with his real physicality because Warner and that, like, gee, is he impressive with his outside run. And I think he's going to have a significant role to play with the big Atkins danger field. If he doesn't start hitting and whacking like he, he can do, so... I think Mills is capable. I, I really pumped Mills early in the year. I said I thought he was almost the best player mm. in the AFL. With yep. his, and then he just went a little bit quiet, but he's back. So yep. um, I, th- that was a great move on Dugowie because I was sitting there, where's Parker, where's Parker? And I was like, oh, he's tied up on Dugowie, but it was a significant – I wouldn't pick that matchup. Yeah. The Parker one is good because he's disciplined. He knows it's a big stage. You know what you're going to get from him. Mills – Hasn't been there before in terms of that sort of level. So can you take it on trust that he won't get overawed and then maybe wander away from that role, go kick chasing? I think if you put Parker on him, especially to start, you know exactly what you want to, you're going to get. You want to get from that matchup. And I think in big games, Mate, especially know, early. You've got to know your beast. Mills is the most disciplined, sacrificial. He'll do anything yeah, for but, the team. Yeah, but again, the, the big stage, oh, I know that. But you know the on thing, trust that Parker That's how you think, just... right? Not how Mills he thinks. <laughs> he wasn't going to I chase. I certainly yeah. been no, wondering I, I think you've got a point. But I think the other thing Mills will do is can work off you. Because yeah. well, he's like, a great athlete. Chris, though, Chris was Collingwood's best player going head-to-head with Mills. Chris made yeah, a big game. Chris was in, incredible, he was, wasn't yeah, he? he? Yeah, was. when he ran out of the middle and kicked that goal, he's my favourite player in the, the AFL. Grin you, when I we love talk him. about Chris. That's because brilliant. I thought every time last year, like when he was playing on the halfback flank, and they're paddling through the midfield, they put him in the midfield, and he, I thought, geez, a midfielder, this kid. Anyway, Rossi loves blokes that can run. Hey, um, next question. You've been you can't through this. Run, you can't play. That's Joey. right. You've been through this before <laughs> playing. Players with injury in a grand final, the fine line between the risk and the reward. So there's two. There's obviously Max Holmes for the Cats, Sam Reed for the Swans. As we're speaking today, as we said, Wednesday lunchtime, we're not sure where they're at. What's your sort of view in regards oh. to playing injured players? Is it you trust the senior player more in a Sam Reed? Do you take it out of a kid's hands like Max Holmes because he's younger and doesn't maybe know his body as well? Just talk me Jeez, through. Jeez, he'd be having sleepless nights, Holmes. Not, not only for the fact that, one, I might miss, but then also the thoughts in your head, what if I say I'm right and I'm not, and the, mm. the talk around it might be more of a nerve thing that actually is muscular. But oh, I've, I've – 0-9 grand final, Chapman, who kicked five. In the first quarter, it looked like he tore his hamstring in half, hobbled off, and I thought he's done for the day. Because he come back on and ran around like a gazelle and kicked really? five. So even if your hammy goes, you can probably put some He's a, dark arts yeah. into it. And But it's a tough, tough, tough for all parties, right? But if you're the coach, you don't get involved. This is where the big – yeah, no. Don't get involved. You wouldn't get involved. No, and you heard Chris Scott, and I liked what he said in his presser. And his medical staff have been great all year. The doctor makes the call, yes or no. In conjunction with – and then the doctor makes the call to the player, yeah, you can play with this. This We can do this, this, and this. We can trial it at training, you know, all those things. And then the, ultimately you then look at the player and go, well, the doctor's saying you can. Now, do you think you can? And then it becomes the player's final call. And then to the player, but this is it. There's no, oh, he's at 70%. No, it's either a yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yes yeah. or no. So if you say yes, it's, you're 100%. You're in. You're and in. we've had Dawson on the drip yeah. night before the grand final. I've had a couple of tests. Rui, where... Rui was doing fitness tests with his, oh, yeah, his groin. Yeah, he, was, yeah. he was running up and down the corridor at Box Hill Hospital 
testing a, a groin hip flexor two nights before a grand final. Yeah, when you had Presty pull out of, yeah. was it the replay? Two, 2010. Or was the first one? I think it was the first one. The first one. He, he pulled yeah. out late saying that he didn't think he was 100% and didn't want to let the side down. And when we're speaking about the matchups like we are, it seems the more and more you talk about it, more and more even this game is. I know that Geelong are heavy favourites at the mm. moment, but you don't want to go in with someone who has any sort of doubts not, cause the prep- and Reed's history is one of soft tissue. But a groin you can jab. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to be flippant with the injections, but like Michael Johnson played with a torn calf and we injected it. He was incredible in 2013. Holmes, so, the way he plays, though, is run, gun. Like he's that a is, run, gun. If, if, if you take away his running ability via injury or what mm-hmm. else, he doesn't provide much more, as I, I harsh th- as that may sound. I think the bigger concerns are for the Swans because Reed has been dominant, yeah. second ruckman, key forward. And I love Holmes and what he's bought, but at the end of the day, it's a running role where you could bring in many goal. Isaac Smith go to the window. Tui goes back to the wing more. I think it's an easier I th- replacement. Is the easier. replacement. Reed's a big loss if he Reed's doesn't play Reed's huge, this. yeah. Just remember Phil Davis, cautionary tale, a couple of years ago tried to play with a calf injury and he was a liability. And I remember LRT, Lewis Roberts Thompson. So 05 was great. 06, he went in with a. Injury made the call, and uh, our man in Hawaii, Paul Ruse, wasn't happy for a long time oh, after go. that. That's a big, big decision that could decide the grand final. Hey, we'll take our final break, and then up next, going to get your tips. Who's going to win and why, and who's going to win the Norm Smith medal? See if the Oracle can nail it again. That's all to come up next. Triple M Footy's Midweek Rub. This is the Midweek Rub. Hey, mate, if you were playing against North Melbourne or West Coast, how many touches do you reckon you could get if you well, played in the one. Would so, it be a kick-in? <laughs> It could, it could be. <laughs> Triple M rocks footy. This is Triple M footy's midweek rub. It's now time to get down to business. Put your credibility on the line. Oh, oh. Daisy, Ross, who is going to win this game? Because you look at all the numbers, Ross, offense, defense, pressure, basically number one and two in the competition. Not pressure in regards to Geelong, but Sydney, certainly the number one pressure team in the competition. Their attack and defense, top couple. Geelong's attack and defense and contest, top couple. How do you see it unfolding? Gee whiz, they're hard to separate, but uh, Sydney's pressure is going to be the key. If they, yep. they drop it off and don't reproduce it, um, they're in trouble. There's no doubt about that, but they've done it for a long time, and Collingwood's pressure dismantled Geelong in a sense. Mm. So I think that's the only threat. I've looked at it, and the simple thing I did was like, uh, what are the Swans' problems? And I went, oh, they've got Cameron as a problem, Hawkins as a problem, um, and then at the end they got Stewart, and they got, yeah, danger field. I thought they got more problems, the Swans, to deal with on the cat side. Then I went the other side, and because they're very even, um, so I, I think Geelong get it done. Geelong get it. Geelong done. get it done by about what? What margin? You think it'll be very close? Meet? Four goals. Right. Okay, that's, that's pretty comfortable. That's confident. Yeah. yeah, I'm confident. The numbers, even within the finals, so um, contest the ball, they're winning. They're having more entries, giving less against. So um, yeah, I, the Geelong. By form and numbers. Weight of expectation, I think the Cats are going to have to deliver really early on in this one. We know the Swans will bring the pressure. Dodged a bullet last week, there's no doubting that. But I think the Swans will find a way. The young kids, that youthful exuberance we speak about, the young bull v the old bull, just seems like the Geelong Cats at the moment have a bit more on the line. And I know that that's somewhat of a throwaway line, but you think of Dangerfield, arguably a last chance at it. Selwood, these sort of older blokes coming in against a Sydney side who have been absolutely awesome back half of the season. I think they've got enough smarts in and around 
the uh, inside game, which I think they're going to have to lift because that's where Geelong have clearly got an advantage against them. But also in the coaches' box, I think we're going to get a few different looks from Sydney that Geelong will have to certainly be able to combat in and around your Stewarts, in and around what happens in the midfield with tags and whatnot. I'm pretty confident Sydney can get it done. I think it'll be close. I'm going to tip 11-point margin. Wow. Yeah, I go oh, the I other like way it. in the tactics. I think Chris Scott and his, his box throw more at the opposition than the others do. I think Sydney is set in the way they go. If They'll try and maybe work through an opponent, maybe a, a tag here and there. But uh, Chris Scott, what they threw at Fagan last week, it unraveled yeah. Brisbane in the first quarter, and he's done it for a long time, Chris. I started my week. Along the lines of Ross, I thought Geelong and Geelong sort of comfortably. And then as I've gone on and done some prep this week, I'm more and more thinking Sydney are in this up to their eyeballs. Don't underestimate the pressure factor. So when you look at the only kryptonite for Geelong this year, it's been pressure. When teams have bought the heat, Geelong have been susceptible. Collingwood showed it only two weeks ago. They've that, won 15 in a row, Joe. Yeah, and, they, and the, a lot of those games have been low Yeah, no, games. you're right. The, so, the one where there's pressure there, yep, I saw a thing. It might have been Daniel Hoyne stuff and Kingy. Yeah. 4-5. But, but – Collingwood turned up the heat and the contest. Yep. Sydney want to control game. Geelong aren't playing controlled footy. I think if Geelong keep it in chaos, but if Sydney get a controlled game, I think it protects their defence and that's the way they want it. But once Collingwood turned it into an up-tempo chaos game and that's the way Geelong are playing, they didn't stand up, Sydney. Right. Because Collingwood's vulnerabilities got shown. Because their, their defence was eighth for the year or seventh. Yeah. And... Again, we talk about vulnerabilities. No one thinks that about Collingwood. But a top two attack or four attack pulled apart Collingwood's average yep. top eight defence. So yep. your vulnerabilities get... Uh, Norm Smith medalists. Not many vulnerabilities. I'm going Geelong by five points anyway. Oh. I think they will just win, but I'm not as confident as I was early in the week. And for me, I'm a romantic, Daisy. I think this is Paddy Dangerfield. This is his day. This is his moment. I think he'll replicate last week. He'll have his big 20s. He'll kick a couple of goals, and he'll get his team over the line and get the Norm Smith Oh, Norm Smith. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see Stengel win it. Yeah, that's another romance. I'm going with the Chad. Chad Warner. Sydney win. Chad Warner absolutely dominates through that midfield. Kicks a couple of goals, especially late on a cold, wet, dreary MCG day. And the Mighty Bloods march on. Either way, it's going to be a cracking game. The two best teams. We can't wait for it. It's been a cracking year of Triple M Footy's midweek rub. Thank you to Ross for filling in for the finals. Daisy, you're our MVP this year. Thank you to Jill for producing. We've appreciated all your hard work. The boys out the back. Thank you as well. This has been Triple M Footy's Midweek Rub on the Listener app. You can search for the Midweek Rub on YouTube. Remember, this Saturday we'll be live at the MCG starting at 8am, Limo and Sarah Marie. Then we'll be on Dead Set Legends and then the big boys come on for the Saturday Rub. Hope you enjoy your grand final. Thanks for listening. We'll do it all again next year on Triple M Footy's Midweek Rub. Shut up! The foot is on Triple M! Triple M rocks footy.